turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms, but without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. Mark 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on His Word this morning. Father, we come before You right now. I thank You so much for the power of Your Word. Lord, without Your Word, we are nothing. Without You, we are nothing. And so I pray that as we embark on this study on the Gospel of Mark, I pray that You would use it to work in our hearts and in our minds. And I pray that our lives would be transformed by it, that we might be like You. And I pray that You would guide and direct me this morning. And may everything that is said and done be honoring and glorifying to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen and amen. Nearly a year ago, March 17, 2022, during the Bergen County Track Championships in New Jersey, Abigail Dennis of Old Tappan High School set her mark on the 100-meter hurdles. As soon as the gun went off, Abigail started running, and on the first hurdle, her foot clipped it, causing her timing to be off. As she attempted to jump her second hurdle, she tripped completely on the hurdle and fell flat on her face while the other runners continued to blow right by her. At this point, Abigail Dennis was in last place nearly two hurdles, behind the rest of the runners. However, Abigail did not quit nor get discouraged. She gathered her footing, gave the race her all, caught up to her competitors, and managed to win the race with the second qualifying, second fastest qualifying time for the finals. At the finals, the championship race, Abigail Dennis demolished her competitors to win the New Jersey State High School Championships in the 100-meter hurdles. This story and video has gone viral and serves as an inspirational lesson that it doesn't matter how poorly you start something, what matters is how one finishes. This is the same lesson that we can learn about the penmen of the gospel that we read of today. John Mark is the penman of this gospel. And as we begin this series of the gospel of Mark, I want us to learn some introductory elements about this gospel and the individual that God used to pen it. And so, this morning, first thing I want us to look at today is the period the gospel was penned. The period the gospel was penned. 
In verse number one, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, the primary interpretation, of course, is obviously the beginning of the gospel, meaning this is the start of the narrative of the good news of Jesus Christ, which he will eventually give to us as we go through the rest of this gospel. But, interestingly enough, while we read in our New Testament, the first gospel, we find it to be Matthew, in all actuality, the first gospel, the earliest gospel written, was the gospel of Mark. By almost all accounts, Mark is presented as the beginning gospel of the four gospels of Jesus Christ. Secular historians and early church fathers tell us that the Gospel of Matthew was penned around 56 to 68 A.D. Luke was around the early uh, 60s A.D. John penned the Gospel attributed to him around between 60 to 90 A.D. The date of the writing of Mark's Gospel isn't specific, but conservative scholars consider it to have been penned as early as 55 AD. So it was the first of the four Gospels. Conservative scholars who favor an early date often rely heavily upon a fragment of papyrus uh, from Qumran. In a cave sealed in 68 um, uh, AD was a piece of text which was claimed to be an early version of Mark, thus allowing Mark to be dated before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which took place at 70 A.D., de uh, destroyed by the Roman Empire. And scholars consider it a writing of Mark because the text in that little fragment in it were the same lines that were found in other copies attributed to Mark's gospel. The earliest tradition of Mark, being the penman of this gospel, is report reported by the church historian Eusebius, who quoted Papias, a contemporary of the, uh, of the Apostle John, and also was the bishop of Hierapolis, a group of believers referred to in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 14. Eusebius wrote that P uh, Papias quoted John Mark, whom he considered John the Elder, concerning the authorship of this gospel. Papias had written, Mark became Peter's interpreter and wrote down accurately, but not in order, all that he remembered of the things said and done by the Lord, for he had not heard the Lord or been one of his followers, but later, as I said, a follower of Peter. Peter used to teach as the occasion demanded without giving systematic arrangement of the Lord's sayings so that Mark did not err in writing down some things just as he recalled them, for he had one overriding purpose, to omit nothing that he had heard and to make no false statements on this account. This was an early church father who wrote this of Mark being the penman uh, of this gospel. Eusebius also pointed out that while Papias did not himself know the, uh, the uh, apostles, but he had direct contact with those who had heard them, including John Mark and um, Aristion, Polycarp, 
And the daughters of Philip the evangelist that we read of in Acts chapter 21 verses 8 and 9 which say, And the next day that we were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Papias knew those four daughters. And he wrote that John Mark recorded these things accurately. Second century historian evidence also attribute this gospel to John Mark. Second century historians Irenaeus and Clement of Alexandria both claim John Mark as the author of this gospel. I would have worded it differently. I would have said that John Mark is the penman. The Holy Spirit is the author of this gospel. Irenaeus wrote, Now Matthew published a written gospel among the Hebrews in their own language while Peter and Paul were evangelizing and founding the church of Rome. But after their departure, possibly death, Mark, the disciple and interpreter of Peter himself, also handed over to us in writing the things preached by Peter. That was the second century historian Irenaeus. Furthermore, Clement of Alexandria referred this. When by the Spirit... Peter had publicly pro proclaimed the gospel in Rome. His many hearers urged Mark as one who had followed him for years and remembered what was said to put it all in writing. This he did and gave copies to all who asked. When Peter learned of it, he neither objected nor promoted it. Early, uh, other early church writers, including Tertullian, Origen and Jerome affirm Mark's role as the author of this gospel. Mark's explanation of Jewish customs and his translations of Aramaic expressions suggest that he was writing for Gentile converts, probably from those converted in Rome, having been a disciple of Peter and associate of Paul there in Rome. So we see the period it was written, around 55 to 60 A.D., Mark was the one who wrote that. The second thing I want you to see as far as introductory things about this gospel are the particulars of this gospel. There are distinct features of the gospel of Mark. And interestingly enough, this gospel is the shortest of the four gospels. Matthew contains 28 chapters. Luke has 24 John gives us 21 chapters, but Mark wields 16 chapters. The Holy Spirit presented our Lord Jesus Christ in a distinctive way in each of the four Gospels. In each one, we have four pen portraits, if you will, of our Savior. Matthew portrayed Jesus Christ as the King. Hence, included in the account of Matthew is the genealogy of Jesus Christ tracing back to King David. And even all the way to the, uh, um, uh, well, David, the son of Abraham. And then, Matthew also accounts to the numerous quotations from the Old Testament, which was a uh, distinctive feature for uh, the Jews. Luke presents Jesus as the unique Son of Man, the perfect man who came to seek and save that which was lost. And Luke traced our Lord's genealogy back to Adam, 
through Heli, the father of Mary and father-in-law of Joseph, not the genealogy of Joseph. That's also a very interesting fact, particularity. Then we get to John's Gospel, which plainly presents Jesus Christ as the divine Son of God, the eternal Word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. John is distinguished as presenting Jesus Christ as God and His divinity. But to Mark, it fell by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write uh, uh, to us of the Son of God as the lowly, perfect, suffering servant. One glaring particularity of Mark's gospel, while John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, giving us the entrance of Jesus Christ into this world. And Luke gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way to Heli, uh, the genealogy through Mary. And Matthew gives us a, an entrance of Jesus Christ into the world with the genealogy um, through David. Mark doesn't do any of that. Why? That's a peculiarity of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. One theologian theorized that the reason Jesus Christ's genealogy was omitted from this Gospel was because our Lord is presented as a servant. And because it was not the custom to record nor be concerned about a servant's forebearers, but rather... They record significant actions and works. The genealogy was omitted. And interestingly enough, this gospel is a marvelous record of the amazing activity and works of the suffering servant and his miracles that he accomplished and also in making known the mind of God. The gospel of Mark begins like any good servant would when initiated with a task. Look in verse number 1. It starts out with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. It is an abrupt beginning. Unlike Matthew, Luke, and John, which start out describing Jesus Christ. This gospel begins saying, this is the beginning narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me talk to you about a servant by the name of John the Baptist. And starts to give us a, a prophecy about John the Baptist. So this set the tone of the theme presenting our Savior as a servant. And uh, it is straight to the point. As a matter of fact, many commentators have pointed out that Mark's gospel frequently um, has various uses of the words immediately, straightway, forthwith, and anon. Used 40 times in this gospel alone. Those same words are used roughly the same amount of times in the rest of the New Testament altogether. The king's business requireth haste, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament. 
And from this gospel, Jesus was abundantly busy about his father's business for which he came into the world. It requires haste. Which is why a principle that we can learn when it comes to serving God, don't delay. Get busy, start doing it. As well, as the, uh, as the presentation of Christ is different in each gospel, so is the presentation of the cross in each gospel. H.A. Ironside wrote that the gospel of Matthew presents the cross as becomes one whose theme is the government of God, clearly identifies the work of the cross as the trespass offering where the Lord could say, as in Psalm 69, Then I restored that which I took not away. The Gospel of Luke portrays, portrays the cross, that great sacrifice, as the peace offering, Christ making peace by the blood of His cross, that God and man may be reconciled and have hallowed fellowship, uh, hallowed fellowship together. And the good news of John depicts the death of our Lord as the burnt offering, the Son laying down His life to glorify the Father in the scene where He had become so dishonored by sin. And in Mark's account, we gaze in awe and wonder at the Holy One made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It is the great sin offering that is before us, Christ, not, uh, Christ dying not only for trespasses committed, but because of what we are as sinners by nature, which our practice makes, uh, but makes evident. So, that was the some of the particulars of this gospel. I thought those were rather interesting. And then thirdly, we've seen the period of the gospel, the particulars of the gospel. Thirdly, I want us to see the purpose of this gospel. Of the four evangelists, Mark gives the clearest account of the historical order of our Savior's uh, service. Mark presents Jesus Christ as the true servant, which is referred to as in Isaiah 53, verse number 11. The Bible says, He shall see of the, servant, uh, of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Uh, so this stands in contrast to Israel who had become an unfaithful servant to God. Jesus is the true servant. We see our Lord in this gospel in the humble form of a slave. Of course, the Apostle Paul uh, referred to that in Philippians 2, verse number 6, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews 5 verse 8 tells us, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Mark writes primarily for a Christian Gentile audience that we may learn how to serve in imitation of the one true servant, Jesus Christ. Compared to the other Gospels, since it's a, it's a shorter book, there are obviously less words. 
But the writing is more about his work and his service. The Holy Spirit's intention, his purpose through the Gospel of Mark's narrative was and is to show the world the immediate, active love of God in Jesus Christ, serving the need of men and seeking after sinners, saving all who would place their trust in Him. That's what we're going to take a look at as we get into the narratives and the accounts of Jesus Christ. We will see the, our, our Savior serving the needs of men, seeking after them, and saving them. And the key verse of this gospel is Mark chapter 10, verse number 45. Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Interestingly enough, this verse serves as the bridge, Mark 10, 45, to the two portions of this gospel. The first portion, before Mark 10, 45, uh, being about His service, while the second portion, after Mark chapter 10, verse 45, um, being about His sacrifice, the sin offering. Which reminds me of an illustration about our first president, George Washington. Early one morning, George Washington was walking through his campground, his camp of soldiers, and he had tasked them to secure the, the camp and fortify it by building a fence around it. As he was walking around the camp to see the progress of the work, General George Washington came across a group of soldiers struggling to lift a log to strengthen the perimeter. A corporal stood aside watching them barking orders to them. The men lifted and lifted but continued to struggle to lift the log high enough to complete that portion of the perimeter. And the corporal continued to bark orders but did nothing to assist them. As the log was about to fall down in their attempt to lift it up to finish that portion... George Washington saw their struggle and he ran to help them lift that log. He grabbed the log and assisted his soldiers in placing that log in its spot, finishing that portion of the fence. Because George Washington was in his heavy coat, the soldiers didn't recognize who he was. And so they thanked him profusely. Meanwhile, the corporal stood aside said nothing. George Washington approached the corporal and asked, why didn't you help you, the, the soldiers? The corporal replied arrogantly, because I'm the corporal. Indeed, said George Washington, unbuttoning his coat to reveal his rank. I'm the commander-in-chief of this army, and the next time your men need help, send for me. With that, he turned and walked away. My dear friends, that is the theme of Mark. The servant of highest of ranks came down to serve mankind. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, came to serve needy people, seek the lost, and save all who would believe. 
We're going to go ahead and take a break here in our introduction of the Gospel of Mark. This Gospel has been a very rewarding study for me, and so I invite you to join us next week as we conclude the introduction of this Gospel. Thank you for listening to our Anchored in Christ radio broadcast, and we hope to see you here same time next Saturday. If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday School at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m. Also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you Anchored in Christ. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ.